those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Tyler Wimmer, the college and young adult pastor here at Living Hope. I preach regularly in the chapel with Pastor David Head. Getting to preach in here in the worship center around Christmas is one of my favorite things. This year, in fact, uh, me and my wife, Alicia, we don't have kids yet, and so we lack the leverage to have parents come to us. However, when you're preaching on Christmas morning, you have some capability of asking parents to come to you. So instead of having to travel this morning, our family is here with us this morning, so I'm very excited for that as well. I take it as a great honor to get to bring to you the Word of God this morning. Christmas, I love this season, the fire burning in the fireplace, the, the movies on television like The Grinch or Home Alone and the music that we all know and love. And I can remember a time before I was saved at 16 when all Christmas was to me was those things. I had heard about Jesus, but only in a very cultural way. I didn't really understand the big deal. Maybe some of you understand where I'm coming from. I could understand the story of Christmas. I knew all the songs. Maybe even got dragged to church by my grandparents. However, I had not experienced the truth that God has sent His only Son into the world to be the light of the world, to bring mercy and forgiveness. And I certainly not followed in obedience the life that God was calling me to live. So when I was saved, Christmas took on a whole new meaning for me. Today we celebrate the birth of our Savior. We celebrate the fact that God, in His great mercy, put on frail humanity in order to save His people. This was a day that was long anticipated by the authors of the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 60, we read this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you, and the nations will come to your light, and the kings of the brightness of your rising. We're going to preach about Christmas this morning, and I have a tendency, when I get excited, I talk really quickly, and so Brother Wade, if you could just slow me down, use some Merry Christmas, you could just yell Merry Christmas at me if I get going too fast, but I'll probably need to get slowed down if I get too excited. Darkness had covered the earth and thick darkness to the people. This is still evidence today. We live in a fallen world and we live as fallen people. We are fallen because of sin. We see that God created in Genesis that He created all things to be in harmony. He created all things to be good. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we read this. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. See, as early as Genesis 3, we see the seed of the promise that is realized in Christ. The enmity between the offspring of woman and the enemy would result in the offspring of woman defeating sin and death. This was realized in the coming of Christ. He is the new and better Adam. He broke the line of Adam. We read in Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so as by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. One of my favorite books to read around this time of the year 
is a children's book, funny enough, but it's the Chronicles of Narnia. I love the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And in the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, there's an evil that has fallen over Narnia, and the enemy who caused it has caused a dark winter over the whole land. Now, C.S. Lewis, in his work, Narnia, explains in Narnia, it was always winter and never Christmas. Could you imagine that? It was always winter, and it was never Christmas. Sounds like some sort of child's worst nightmare. That's what it was like. See, sin reigned in death, and there had been talk of the dawn of light coming, but it had yet to rise. But Isaiah prophesied in the Old Testament about when the light would come and defeat the darkness that was holding us in snare. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, what we celebrate today is what John is talking about in John chapter 1, when he says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone who was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as only the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the light came in order that we could become children of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the Word, the light. He came that we may have forgiveness. He came that we might have life. See, after years of winter, the dawn broke, the sun rose, Christmas came, Jesus the Christ was born, and because of Christ that we have the right to become children of God. But you cause us to celebrate. Like we just sang, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sings. Let us rejoice today that Jesus has come. We're going to continue on in the series that we have been in in Luke chapter 1. Baylor Vessel is going to come up and he's going to read to us the Word of God. So would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Luke chapter 1, verse 76 through 79. Thank you. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. That's the word of God. Let's pray together before we sit down. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful for this opportunity to gather here to study your word this morning. God, I pray that as we unpack this scripture before us this morning, that you would continue to instruct us, teach us, guide us more into the likeness of your Son, Christ. As we gather here to celebrate that you have sent your Son so that we might become your children. So we, your children, gather here this morning to celebrate that very fact that you sent the light of the world, that we could see and have peace. Because you know what we pray, God. Amen. Maybe see it. Zachariah's prophecy is what we 
have been studying the last few months in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79, this part of Zechariah's prophecy, is referring to John the Baptist. But it's not about exclusively him. See, he was the one who would come before the Lord to declare his ways. He would declare the knowledge of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the light of the world. See, remember what John chapter 1 said. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. See, the light of the world dawned the day Christ was born. Point one. Point one. Write this down. Because... Light has come, we can understand salvation. Because light has come, we can understand salvation. Again, verses 76 and 77. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare His ways to give knowledge of salvation to His people. To give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins. See, Jesus is the one who can forgive sins, and he can do this because he is God. Now, what we know about our salvation is very important. A.W. Tozer says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. See, what we believe or know determines what we feel, and what we believe and feel determines what we do. So if we believe in our head and we feel in our heart, then we will do with our lives. So what we believe comes from the Word of God. Can we just take a minute and give thanks that the sovereign God of the universe has given to us His Word to know Him by? That He has spoken to us directly through His Word, that we can have understanding of the salvation that we have received. Not only that, but it, that it is sufficient for us to know Him. That we can understand His character, His nature, His deep love for us. And that God has provided, He has provided a way for us to understand Now, look, at some point, and I don't know when this happened, at some point, a deep understanding of the Word of God or of doctrine and theology somewhere in our culture has been a sort of the equivalent of or has been made to think about when if you have a deep understanding of the Word of God or of doctrine and theology, that is just cold. It's too orthodox. Or it just turns into hollow self-righteousness. And I would categorically disagree with that statement. I would say knowing more about God and His character will not cause you to love God less. In the same way that me getting to know my wife more would not cause me to love her less. In the same way that me getting to know my friends better would not cause me to dislike them. When we come to the Word of God as truth and we pour into it, we dig deep from it, then we grow to love our God more. We're taken in by His majesty. We're prepared to give defense of our faith. Because what we think about God and what we experience of God affects the way we live for God. What we think about God and what we experience of God affects the way we live for God. Point two, write this down. Because light has come, we can experience God's mercy and forgiveness. 
we can experience God's mercy and forgiveness. What good is it to know that a strawberry is sweet and you have never tasted it? Like, even if you were like the world's leading scientist on strawberries and you had never tried one, the child that had tried the strawberry has a distinct advantage over you in that regard. What good does it do to know that honey is sweet but to never taste it? What good is it to know of how deep the Father's love is for us but to never experience it? See, there are some of us in this room, many in this city, in this country, in this world, that know the extent to which the Lord paid for our sins. They understand the birth. They know of the wise men that came by the light of the star to see the baby in the manger. They know that the life that Jesus lived. They know the death that Jesus died. They know the promises that God has made. They may have even flannel-graphed the aforementioned, and yet they still have not experienced the deep love that God has for His people. To the freedom to be who God has called them to be, the sweetness of His grace, the tenderness of His mercy. Listen to the prophecy in Zechariah and Luke, verse 77 and 78, to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins. Verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God. The tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit from on high. See, we can, because of Jesus, experience the tender mercy of our God. And it's the feeling that enraptures our emotion, it stirs us, captures hold of us, grabs us. What we know to be true strikes our heart. This very passage in Luke caused the great passage Pastor Charles Spurgeon to say this, what but tender mercy, hearty mercy, intense mercy, could bring the great God to visit us so closely that He actually assumed our nature. Kings may visit their subjects, but they do not think of taking upon themselves their poverty, sickness, or sorrow. They could not if they would, and they would not if they could. This were more than we could expect from them. But our divine Lord, when He came hither, came into our flesh. You know, I, I work primarily with young adults and college students, and I, I hear a lot of the same stories from a lot of them, that many of them grew up in church and had a very intellectual understanding of who God was and who God says He was according to His Word, but they had not experienced the tender mercy and grace when you repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Christmas is a time that there is much celebration at the coming of Christ. However, there are also many who have lost loved ones or whose family situation is far from perfect and there is much strife and pain that can be felt even on such a joyous holiday as this. But what a blessing is it to know that God took on flesh and came to save us, that he too felt pain and trial. Hebrews 4 tells us, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. God in His tender mercy provided a great joy for us in Christ. Even when things of this world seem broken beyond repair or we are in despair, God's tender mercy is sufficient for us. Amen? 
point three, write this down. Because light has come, we can follow the way of peace. Because light has come, we can follow the way of peace. Verse 79. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. See, if we understand the salvation of God and have experienced the love and grace of God, then we will follow the way of God. See that progression. If we understand the salvation of God and we've experienced the love and grace of God, then we will follow the way of God. I love the way Charles Wesley talks about this he, in his, his song, his poem, and can it be? Listen to his words here. I'll read them slowly. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace. Emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. His mercy all, immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Now, I know that there were parts of that were Old English. However, I think his imagery here is beautiful. We were prisoners to sin and death and darkness without Christ. But when we experience the light of Christ, we are set free to follow him, and that should cause our hearts to sing. I woke the dungeon flames with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed, followed thee. See, Jesus came to lead people from darkness to light. And living in obedience to what Christ has done for us is to recognize that as light, we are commanded to help lead others out of the darkness. We are called to share the light of the gospel to those around us. We are called to help people understand salvation, experience the tender mercy and forgiveness of God, and to follow the way of peace. I think as a church in America, not this church specifically, but just us as a whole, collectively, Big C Church for a moment, I think we're good at helping people understand. We have plenty of Bible studies, many resources. I think we're okay at helping people experience the work of God through serving others. I think that we have a lot of work to do when it comes to helping others follow the way of peace through discipleship. We have to grab hold of this idea that we are bringing the light to other people and we must cultivate that through discipleship. See, over the last semester, I've been training believers to share their faith using the three circles. Y'all heard of three circles? Right. We've all heard the three circles. We put those up? Thank you. So the three circles. Typically, when the three circles come on stage, I, I, I recognize our propensity to want to just tune out for a moment. Please don't. So here's the thing. I've been training believers recently in the three circles. One girl in particular stands out. I was meeting with her, and I was asking her if she could articulate her faith, and she said that she could, and I said, well, I want to train you in the way that I share my faith. And so I do that using the three circles. And according to her testimony, she's been a believer since she was four years old, raised in the church. Praise God. I pray that our, if me and Alicia are blessed with children, I pray, our, I pray their testimony is exactly the same. 
And I started walking her through. This is how we share the gospel. And I do that in two different ways. I start with the big picture, but then I start to talk about where your story intersects with the big picture. And so it would go something like this. I would say, in the beginning, I believe that God created all things. I think he created all things to be in harmony. And when he created all things to be in harmony, he created even even people to, to bear his image. But see, when sin entered into the world, it's like if you've ever hit a window pane with a hammer. It didn't just break that one part you hit. No, it shattered the whole thing. And so when sin entered into God's design, God's creation, it shattered all of it. And we are left, because of sin, in brokenness. And now, brokenness is pretty easy for us to comprehend. We see it all around us. We feel it all the time. We recognize that things are not the way God intended them to be. However, He did not leave us there. That's why we're here this morning celebrating, because He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, born of a virgin, to break the line of Adam so that He could live the perfect life that we could not live, that He could die the death that we could not die to make atonement for our sin. And that if we believe in that, we can begin to recover and pursue what God has for us in our life. Now, that's the big picture way of sharing it, but I also like to share it in a different way. I like to share it like this. Jeff, God made you in His image to give Him glory. He designed you specifically to give Him glory. But you recognize that there's sin in this world and there's sin in your life. There's things that you want to do that you do not. There's things that you don't want to do that you do. You realize that the sin in your life leads to brokenness. But that brokenness is not stopped there. See, if you repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jeff, then you can begin to recover and pursue what God has for you, that you were made in His image to live a life for Him. See, we all have a story that intersects specifically with God's larger story. So when we're sharing the gospel, we need to share both ways. We need to share God's big picture and also share more specifically with the person that we're talking to. But here's the thing. When I was sharing this with this girl, I ran over both of those ways and I said, okay, I want you to share back what I just shared with you. And she was like, well, I'm pretty nervous about sharing my faith. And I said, it's okay. Just, just start wherever you want to start, you know, just and she started crying, and she said, I, I've been a believer since I was four years old, and I've never shared my faith with anyone. And see, overwhelmingly, as I'm preparing people to share their faith, that's the story I continue to hear, is that they understand, have experience, but need direction in following and being obedient. See, the, the follow, to follow the way of peace means to understand your salvation, to experience the tender mercy of God, and then to live in obedience to God as your king. We must understand, experience, follow. Our head, our heart, our hands. We must understand, experience, follow. We need, we need to understand the plan of God, experience His mercy and forgiveness through Christ, and be transformed by the Holy Spirit, which now indwells us as believers, which allows us to walk by the light of Christ. When we have understood our salvation, experienced the tender mercy and forgiveness of God, and are following the way of peace, we can live as light to the darkness around us. What does that mean? That means we can be light in our marriage, light in our marriages. We can be light to the community around us, caring for what the Lord cares about. We can 
begin to love our neighbors because we have been loved. We can begin to forgive those who have wronged us because we have been forgiven. We begin to serve those around us, identifying needs and bringing the light of the gospel to that area. We can then also share the light of Christ with those around us who are in need of the gospel. Look, despite the coming of the true light of Christ, we are often tempted to allow other comforts to make us content. I have to admit, for the longest time when I was a kid, my mother's here, she can attest, I was terrified of the dark. And there were many nights, much to her dismay, that I would get scared and I would need to come into her room and like sleep on the floor or something because I was terrified of the dark of my mom's a great mom. And so what she did was she got me a nightlight and she put it in my room and that really helped. And it didn't help in the sense that I couldn't really still see anything. It was just enough light to kind of give me the comfort to finally be able to get to sleep. And that was when I was a kid, but if I'm being honest, even still today, I'm still kind of afraid of the dark at times. Like, for instance, on Wednesday nights, I'm the last person to leave the chapel at about 11 o'clock at night, typically. And so, I don't know if you've ever been in the chapel at 11 o'clock at night, but it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. And so, uh, everyone else is gone, right? And I, uh, the, the light switch, of course, isn't by the door. It's within the heart of the chapel. And so, I sneak over to the chapel once everyone has left, and I have my phone light on, and... I, I get to the light and I turn it off. And now there's this one spot on the floor in the chapel on my way out that I am very aware of. But I hit it every single time. And this is what happens. I'm walking through the dark with my cell phone light. I hit this one board. It squeaks. I take off running. Every single time. Now, like, I know that's illogical. I get that. However, when you're alone at a chapel, at 11 with just a cell phone light, sometimes you get scared of stuff like that. If you were there on a Wednesday night and saw me leaving the chapel, you would think I was getting chased. That's what I'm trying to say. But see, if the chapel was completely lit in the broad of day, I would never be afraid when I hit that spot on the floor. But at night, when it's just me my phone, I run out of there. See, we are naturally afraid of the darkness in the sense we do not like not knowing what is around us. Our minds can run wild with possibilities of our surroundings. You see, the work of religion of man or the worship of idols is like that nightlight. It may make you feel good, but it does not, it does little, rather, for getting rid of the darkness. It's like a blanket that is too small for you. No matter how you try to stretch it or kick it or pull it, it will not cover all of you. It will never bring the full comfort, and indeed it was not supposed to. It's like my cell phone light in the chapel late at night. It does little to comfort me. But see, the light of Christ encompasses all the fear that we have of the darkness. See, God provided for us, His people, when we were trapped in darkness and unending night. See, Jesus was like the sun dawning over the darkness of the void. He brought light to His people. It is as if we've been stuck in winter for as long as anyone could remember. And there were rumors of Christmas, but no one knew when it would come. But Jesus came and ushered in spring after a very long winter. He ushered in life, new creation, the promise of hope. I have to know, will you live your life for Christ in the radiance of the light that has been brought to us? Or will you keep that light for yourself? 
See, I think last night at the Christmas Eve service, Pastor Jason gave an excellent analogy. He said, you decorate the outside of your house in Christmas lights because you want other people to see that light. But most of us, including myself this year, just decorated the inside of our homes. And the point there was, is will you let your light shine out in the darkness around you, or will you keep the light of Christ for yourself? Verse 78 and 79 again, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's what Jesus Christ came to do for us, to give us the light of life. One takeaway from this morning, one takeaway, when you're at dinner with your family later or lunch or maybe going to the movies, one takeaway, if somebody asks, what did you hear about at church this morning. I don't want it to be that Tyler's a coward on Wednesday night at the chapel. That's what I want it to be. To follow the way of peace means to understand your salvation, experience the tender mercy and forgiveness of God, and then live in obedience to God as your king. To follow the way of peace means to understand your salvation, experience the tender mercy and forgiveness of God, and then live in obedience to God as your king. The believers who do this desire to grow others in their understanding, their experiencing of tenderness and mercy, and help grow them in obedience as well. We need to be the light that shines in the dark. The birth of Christ, why we celebrate Christmas. The dawn of light dawned over a dark and hopeless world that we may have hope, joy, peace, and love. I pray that you understand that. I pray that you experience that. And I pray that you follow that in obedience. You as ears, let him hear. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you that your son Christ did come to make atonement for our sins, to lead us back to you. God, that it was always your intention for him to make sacrifice for us in this way. God, I pray that we would humble ourselves beneath your word this morning. God, I pray that nothing I said apart from your word would have been of any consequence to anyone in here. But Lord, only your word, which has the power and authority to transform lives. Lord, I pray that it goes out to those who need to hear it. And Lord, I pray that their lives and hearts will be transformed by it. God, bless us this morning as we continue to worship and exalt you for sending your Son to save us, to draw us out of the darkness and into your glorious light, Lord.